Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And today is Tuesday, September 25th, 2018, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. And today we'll be reading from the big book, and we are on page 123, 123, in chapter 9, The Family Afterwards. The first paragraph, suppose we tell you some, and you're going to read through three paragraphs, ending with, for what he is trying to get. And we're going to be commenting on all three paragraphs. Today's readers are for the 12 steps, Carmela G, and for the 12 traditions, Pam R. And readers of the text this morning are Maura Z, Debbie M, and Susan H is our sturdy, our stout, how do you say that? Never mind, back up. <laughs> the share ID numbers for Monday, September 24th, the 7 a.m. meeting is 11,950. 11950. And for the 10 a.m. meeting, 11,952. 11952. For, um, right. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Carmela G. to get us going by reading the 12 steps. Good morning again. Good morning, everyone. Carmela G. from New York. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. 
five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles <clears throat> all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thanks so much, Carmela G. And now I will ask Pam R. to read Overeaters Anonymous 12 Traditions. Good morning. My name is Pam R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Wilmington, North Carolina. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert, divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us, us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for allowing me to do service, and I pass. Well, thank you very much, Pam R. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. 
Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass and then press star one to remute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we are resuming our study of the big book and we are on page 123, the very first paragraph, we're gonna be reading three paragraphs and this is in chapter nine, the family afterwards. And the first paragraph begins with, suppose we tell you some, and then it ends, paragraph three ends with, for what he is trying to get. And I will now ask Maura Z to get us started. Good morning, Anita J. Thank you for your service. Maura Z recovered, gratefully so, in Virginia. Suppose we tell you some of the obstacles a family will meet. Suppose we suggest how they may be avoided, even converted to good use for others. The family of an alcoholic longs for the return of happiness and security. They remember when father was romantic, thoughtful, and successful. Today's life is measured against that of other years, and when it falls short, the family may be unhappy. Family confidence in dad is rising high. The good old days will soon be back, they think. Sometimes they demand that dad bring them back instantly. God, they believe, almost owes this recompense on a long overdue account. But the head of the house has spent years in pulling down the structures of business, romance, friendship, health. These things are now ruined or damaged. It will take time to clear away the wreck. Though old buildings will eventually be replaced by finer ones, the new structures will take years to complete. Father knows he is to blame. It may take him many seasons of hard work to be restored financially, but he shouldn't be reproached. Perhaps he will never have much money again, but the wise family will admire him for what he is trying to be rather than for what he is trying to get. And I'm going to start my timer. And... So I had to read these paragraphs several times last evening in preparation for this because my first knee-jerk reaction was I have, I, I don't relate at all. Um, when I was in the food, primarily, I was um, a young married and uh, it wasn't me that was the breadwinner. Uh, we were both mutually bringing in the, the bacon, so it were. Um, and so there wasn't any of that. There was damage to the relationship. But it took me a while, and, and I came up with a couple of thoughts. The first was, spent years in pulling down, excuse me, spent years in pulling down the structures, and especially of romance, friendship health, maybe not so much business. 
um, and the new structures will take years to complete. So as far as my relationship with my then husband, it took 14 years of recovery to improve that relationship with my ex-husband. And that was in great measure, granted. But it wasn't until I became recovered that my ex-husband and I became friends, true friends. In fact, one of the things I've always, always known is the fact that when we were married, we were never friends. It was husband and wife. It was never, you know, partner. It was never, you know, this is an equal relationship. And I had, you know, released all of my power, as I had done my whole life, to someone else providing it for me. And the other part that was really significant to me was back in the first paragraph. And it talks about the obstacles a family will meet. Suppose we suggest how they may be avoided, even converted to good use for others. So my sister was clean and sober three years. But there was a lot of turmoil in the family because of her alcoholism and, um, and narcotic pain pill addiction. But here's the bottom line. Posthumously, my sister Mary, 12-stepped me into OA. And so converted for good use is clearly the result of my sister being clean and sober and my following in her footsteps and being recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Morazee. And now I'm opening up the lines for people to share for approximately three minutes. On these three paragraphs, Katie G from Boston, Katie G, Kim G, Susan H, Susan H, Barbara E, Barbara E, Barbara B, Barbara B. All right, we'll start with five five ladies. Katie G, Kim G, Susan H, Barbara E, and then Barbara B. Good morning, Katie G. Good morning, Anita. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G recovered in Boston, and this really hit me hard today. Um, in terms of the structures of business romance that are now ruined or damaged, it'll take time to clear away the wreck. So old buildings will eventually be replaced by finer ones. The new structures will take years to complete. And, um, you know, I have an older brother, and he lives out of state. And anyone who knows me knows that I, my ego desperately wants a relationship with him, right? Like, I want to be KDG, who has a healthy relationship with everybody. And I don't want just a healthy relationship. I want it on my terms, right? But I don't think about the years that I pulled down the structure of integrity, of being his sister, right? Like the years that he would get phone calls that, yeah, your sister's hospitalized because the amount of laxatives she took. You know, the years that I scared him and he told me, you look like you're dying because of your anorexia. And the years that, 
you know, he would come home from college and I would be raging, you know, or I would come home from college and I'd be, oh, okay, there's a hundred, like the drama, the drama, you know, and um, showing up at his wedding, but to, putting, putting demands on him. Um, and then in abstinence only still, you know, demanding from him that he and his wife pay for me. Oh, well, if you want me to see your kids, you're going to have to pay for me to get an airplane ticket. And uh, thank God I'm recovered today, right? That's, that, that's beautiful. And now that I have a family, I'm like, come on, come on. Let's, let's have a new building here. Like, gimme, gimme, gimme. Be, be my brother. Be my brother. Call me. Pay attention to me. Come meet my daughter. Show up. And guess what? Like, he and his wife are not, it's not really in there. And it's not what God wants them to do right now. And my ego is like, what the heck? Come on, this is not fair. I'm the great KDG, you owe me. But actually, they don't. The years that I was an unpredictable woman, you know, that's going to take some time. And the other thing is, do I want them to be right? Do I want them to contact me? Or do I want them to be right with God, right? So it's going to take years to clear away the wreck. Like, I've been praying to God, maybe I owe them another amend. Or maybe, maybe I need to put my ego away and call them, you know, at when I can and just be present and just stop demanding that the relationship be what I want it to be so I feel safe and secure, right? Like I want things to look like, you know, the perfect TV show so I feel safe and secure. And where is my security supposed to lie? In God. A, I'm a compulsive overeater. I cannot manage my own life. And B, that no human power, which for me means, and I'll close with this, it doesn't matter. The relation, it, it's, not, it's not about that, right? It's about my relationship with God. So thank you so much for this beautiful lesson. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Katie G. Kim G, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, and what I see in these paragraphs is they're really just trying to help the family understand, like to manage their expectations. You know, I think about the the fantasy that, you know, mom or dad is going to start drinking and then it's suddenly going to be Ozzy and Harriet, that life will begin then. You know, and it reminds me of me. You know, I really thought that food and weight was my problem. And once I stopped eating, you know, and I got to that magical size six, you know, Brit, Brad Pitt would show up to ask me to marry him. I would get that promotion and everyone would do what I wanted. And, and that's not what happens. You know, I think of uh, Bill's story on page five where it says, nevertheless, I still thought I could control the situation. And there were periods of sobriety which renewed my wife's hope. So the family is hoping that this period of sobriety is going to be different. You know, I think of, of myself, you know, in college, I would come home every few months and I'd be up 30 pounds, down 30 pounds, and my family would be fearful and anxious. And, you know, what can be okay? You know, I found out when I made my amends to my father that he was following me to the bathroom to see if that was going to be one of the times that I was throwing up. You know, and the fact of the matter is, an abstinence only what was Kim like? I was restless. I was irritable. I was discontent. I was angry. I was resentful. I was fearful. I caused more damage personally in abstinence than I did when I was in the food. And I had been in OA for 17 years when I recovered. Why would they believe this was any different than the many times that I would get on the diet with group support and go to Overeaters Anonymous? And the fact was a lot of relationships changed. 
you know, some of my relationships fell apart. You know, specifically, I did not realize until I went through the steps, had a spiritual awakening, started to do my amends, that a lot of my friendships were based totally on gossip. That was the only thing we had in common. And when that went away, because that did not resonate with my ideals of how I behave as a child of God, those relationships stopped. Other relationships deepened because I had the ability to connect with people that I never was able to connect with before. And some relationships just changed. And the fact was I needed to give people time to adjust to who I was in recovery. That I had to give them the ability to be angry and pissed off and resentful because I made some sick bargains with people. So this, this, what I'm hearing in here is they're trying to manage the expectations of the family the same way that I needed to manage the expectations of what it meant for me to recover from this illness versus me to just abstain from my binge foods and get thin. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Kim G. Susan H., it is your turn. Thank you. Thank you. This is Susan H. in Ohio. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and grateful uh, that the head of household has spent years pulling down the structures of life. Well, that I did. The wreckage is all around. Um, I fed my problems and I hid from loved ones most of my 62 years. Um, I'm grateful to see the old buildings being replaced with finer ones. It is not my power, skill, nature, strength that brought me through it all. My power doesn't create new structures. It is through surrender to a higher power who loves me unconditionally in all my imperfections, a higher power who is willing to show me a better way to live. My job is to let him and do the work after me. So the rebuilding of ruined and damaged is in my higher power's time. I just need to stay close and listen every day. I am seeing rebuilding of my life in God's time. And I'm very grateful. May I just keep listening, keep my eyes open, and, and keep listening. Um, I will pass. Thanks. Well, thank you very much, Susan H. Barbara E., you are now up. Uh, did you just call Barbara E? I was unmuting. Yes, thank you. Oh, thank you. Okay, with a lovely Anita. I appreciate you. Wow, as a former teacher, I always said to my children, trust is a must. And once you've lied to me as a teacher, my confidence in you that you're not lying again will build slowly. Okay? I tend to think well, if it's between two people, it might be you. Then I think it was the same with my family. But I had to prove to them that I wouldn't go back to the good old days. I was going to build a newer, finer structure based on relationships on solid, firm ground. That was the difference now. Yes, I'd been on many pay-and-way diets, psychologists, shots in my rear end, uh, liquid, pro, liquid fast uh, that were supervised by doctors. But I was not kind. I was not loving. I was angry, resentful, looking at them, judging them. 
I was not a good person to be around, even as I was getting thinner. So I do not want to go back to the good old days. I want newer, better days based on, yes, I am thinner now. That's wonderful and healthier now. But I also want it built built on a solid basis of kindness, love, tolerance, patience, all the things that I did not display before. Now, we use the reference, the dimmer switch. Sometimes the dimmer switch goes down very slowly so that I don't realize that I'm still engaging in negative behaviors. The difference is I realize it immediately now thanks to this wonderful program. And I'm able to say, I'm sorry, that was wrong. I'm not going to do that again. That's, so, that's such a beautiful thing to have, to have a new structure built not on sand, but solid ground that my family, my husband, my children, and my mother would have, could, could she have survived, found to be a much safer, loving, kinder person to be around. Thank you so much, everyone. I pass. Well, thank you very much, Barbara E. And now Barbara B. Good morning. Good morning. This is Barbara B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Massachusetts. I'm looking this morning particularly at the opening. I suppose we tell you some of the obstacles a family will meet. Suppose we suggest how they may be avoided, even converted to good use for others. Well, I've been focusing on converted to good use for others because I used to be motivated by the fact that, well, if I'm abstaining and continuing, my body will change. It will be, as the program says, a launching pad for the movement through the steps and the recovery and the spiritual experience. But I was really motivated for a long time with what it's going to do for me, how I'm going to feel good, how my family's going to improve, and all that definitely happens and continues to happen. But I needed that pin of having what I went through be converted to good use for others beyond myself, my family, my little world, even beyond the fellowship if I'm going to practice these principles in all my affairs. So that's a whole different outlook, which I really love to be reminded of constantly, that the AAs did it, they told their stories, they went about thinking of others. If I want to move out of that self-centered, feel-good motivation, I need to be reminded and constantly remember to tell my story, as it says, let the skeletons out of the closet, listen to stories, so that it's useful for others in the fellowship and also with prudence, trusting what I choose to tell of my story in my larger world. So I'm very thankful for the reminder of conversion of these happenings rather than just avoiding them. Thank you when I pass. Thank you very much, Barbara B. And uh, for those who came on a little bit late, we are on, um, uh, we're in Chapter 9 on page 123, 
starting with the very first paragraph, suppose we tell you, reading through three paragraphs, ending with, for what he's trying to get. And please, everyone, make sure they're unmute, they're muted. And now, who else would like to share? Roz G. Roz. Reva P. Reva P. Lynn S. Lynn S. Tina S., was it? Yes. Okay. Anyone else comes from a family? <laughs> All right, we're a little more reluctant today. Roz, Reva, Lynn S., and Tina S. Good morning, Roz. You are up. Good morning. Thank you so much for your service. And uh, my name is Roz G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Los Angeles. And, you know, during my eating days, most if not all of my eating days, I was asleep. The false self I heard about in, in a study I did that I was just asleep and did not know um, the damage that I was causing to my family members. And I was jealous of my eldest sister. I was jealous was the biggest, uh, probably one of the biggest character defects I had and mean. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's um, I don't like to think of the, how mean I was, of a mean of a person I was because I wasn't, you know, I was single. So I'm single. See, so everybody owes me. And um, when I went to church, I used to think, well, I'm single, so everybody's pitying me or feel sorry for me or I'm a second-class citizen. And um, then I would tell my kids, remember, I'm a single mom and I can't do all this stuff. And I would remind them of that. And I would tell my family, you don't know how I feel. You've never been in my position. And, you know, I just, it was all about me. And what 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 it was, I believe today, was that I just did not, I could not accept reality for what it was. I was not living in rea- reality and not realizing that everybody has their own set of reality that they have to deal with. And how are they going to deal with it? How am I going to deal with reality today? So it's taken, you know, it it is taken some time and it's still taking some time for me to rebuild my relationship and my trust with my sisters because I was so mean to them and um, my kids. But, you know, now we have a peaceful home and when we do uh, have um, disagreements, they usually don't last very long and I'm always willing to look at my part and apologize. And I don't know what to say, just that I'm so grateful that I did discover these things and that I can use, um, you know, that prayer that says, God, you know, show me uh, show me uh, the step. I, I'm not reading it right now, but it's something about in the sex prayers where we're supposed to ask God for every little thing, you know, his, his ideal. Oh, there we go. We ask God for the ideal. And, and that he would give us the strength to move towards it. So, you know, how am I supposed to act when I feel slighted this way? Or how am I supposed to act when I feel, you know, so, and I think I'm not being treated right. But, you know, it all always comes down to my selfishness and self-centeredness. But, you know, on the other side, um, 
I'm thinking of others a lot more today. What can I do to help you? And uh, how can I use this particular part of something that I've earned or my, this, my, my education or my career? How can I help use that to glorify God and to do mm-hmm. that, to be the, yes, and to be in his primary purpose? Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Raj G. Reva P., good morning. Good morning. This is Reva P., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. You know, this disease for me was all about instant gratification. I had a disturbance. I was uncomfortable. I needed my fix immediately. No pausing. And what these paragraphs are reminding me is, you know, I didn't do anything consistently with persistence. I would come up with my idea of what a solution was. I'd chase after it for a few days or a week, and then I would change the idea and go and run and do something else. And recovery is about continuing, continuing, trudging, persistence, doing the same thing over and over and over and over. And it's only by doing things continuously, consistently, that I get results. Um, So uh, talk about managing expectations, you know, for myself and for everybody around me. I can still expect, you know, I put down the food, I'm working the steps, where's my reward? First of all, I'm supposed to get a reward, um, which is the first thing I need to look at. But, you know, I want results immediately. And this is reminding me things take time. I create damage and I ruin things. And I want um, it to change because I've done my work. I've done my step 10. I've done the steps. You know, why isn't everything else changing? So it's a great reminder that things take time to clear away the wreck. And you know what? What happens when I don't get what I want? What happens when things don't turn out my way? It says, um, focus on what I'm trying to be rather than what I'm trying to get. It's the constant striving and seeking um, and the process that becomes more of the focus than getting the outcome um, that I want. Um, And then the last thing is, you know, how my experience can be converted to good use, that still baffles and amazes me that anything I'm going through and definitely challenges right now, I don't know how, but this is a reminder that all my pain and supposedly terrible situations can always be converted to good use for myself and for others. And with that, I pass. Thank thank you very much. Um, And now, thank you, Reva. And now, Lynn S., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Lynn S., a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Boy, these two paragraphs are really speaking to me right now. And it says, the family of an alcoholic longs for the return of happiness and security. Well, we never had in our family happiness and security because I was a raging, untreated, compulsive overeater from the moment I set face on the earth. So there wasn't a return of it. We longed for it. And I certainly 
longed for it. I can remember that, that that happiness. I remember my mother saying all the time, all I want is for you to be happy and me shouting back, well, don't you think that's what I want? If I knew how to be happy, I would. And, and um, you know, I, I see how I pulled down the structures of not business when I was a kid, but romance, friendship, health, you know, family relationships, and they were ruined or damaged. And and I can remember coming out of the checkout line in the supermarkets and you'd read the magazines there and it said, you know, I spent Easter holiday traveling with my mother or my daughter and I'd think, oh God, kill me now, you know. And yet I longed for it. I longed for a relationship like that with my mom, with my parents. And uh, I remember, you know, coming into program and never even telling anybody I was in program because this would be just trial number 712 that didn't work. But, you know, and, and when you've got 140 pounds to lose, I remember I had to lose about 60 before anybody noticed, but that was the first thing people noticed was the physical. And, of course, they're waiting for the other shoe to drop for me to gain it all back plus, and that wasn't happening. And then they're noticing a change in me as well. And... One thing I do know is I never got anything pre-programmed by working at it, and I never got anything in-programmed by working at it. I'm going to fix this family relationship. But what did happen was a miracle, and the transformation was incredible. And just by working the steps the way they're written in the book, the family relationship began to get better and began to clear away the wreckage that I had brought on the family. And the new structures did take years to complete. But what I can say with total awe and the, and the miracle of the program is the relationship with both my parents, my mom with dementia, and then my dad with the difficulties he and I went through, you know, before he passed away, the relationships were fixed. And, and even before that, even before that, we had years of happy and secure family relationships that we never experienced before. And I am so grateful and I'm so glad we're reading this because it's not morbid reflection, but Time. it's reflection and acknowledging the transformation. Thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Linda uh, Lynn S. And Tina S., you are now up. Good morning. This is Gina F. Megan Frank, recovered in Connecticut. Um, and I, I am driving in the rain, so if the background noise is too much, please just let me know. So, well, you know, upon first read, the, uh, the disease in me sees all of the words and phrases that um, can be self-serving, and I latch on to them, and I'm thinking, oh, you know, my family needs to read this. They need to be patient with me, and they need to admire me for what I'm trying to do. <laughs> um, well, but I have learned in this program to reflect on my initial reaction to things. And, uh, and if I learn one thing, it's that I have to let go of my expectations of my family uh, because those will keep me the sickest is my expectations of them. Um, I have learned really that, you know, it's all about 
my part. And you know what? Underneath it, and that's the beauty of the step 10 process, underneath my resentment at my family not meeting my expectations is fear. And you know what? My fear all the time is that, um, is that I'm never going to be the kind of mother that I should be and the kind of wife that I should be. Um, because for me, there were no good old days. I was always like this since I was a kid. Um, and so it's hard for me to, to not see my progress sometimes. Um, and it's hard for me to be patient with myself and realize that it's going to take, this is a lifelong process. You know, I want it to be fixed yesterday. I want to do the steps and, uh, and then be um, the ideal mother and wife suddenly. Um, but, you know, I do see how my resentments and my expectations injure my family, um, how it hurts them. You know, even though there is no good old days for them to long for, you know, I see that they want um, a wife and a mother who um, is patient and, and loving and able to take a breath and a pause before reacting. The other day, uh, my husband texted me something, and I was so upset about it, and I shot right back at him. And, um, and once I cooled down and reread the conversation again, I was just floored by the fact that I had totally misinterpreted what he said. It was all my sick interpretation. Uh, and, you know, it was, it was just amazing to me that, that my brain can do that, that I can take it and, and spin it a certain way in my head based on my own fears. So um, I'm just grateful for this reminder that um, change will happen. Just like in steps six and seven, I, I don't get upset um, and resentful when my character defects pop up again. I, I just turn them over to God and try to act um, mm-hmm. the way that God would have me do. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much. All right. A few more names, please. This is Larry. Larry. Kelly S. Kelly S. Carmella J. This is Leslie W. Carmella J. And who was before Leslie? After Carmella? Ramona J. Was it Ramona or Lisa J. before... Ramona A. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure we're going to get to everybody, but I'm going to, I've got these names down here. Larry and then Kelly, Carmela, Ramona, Leslie, and uh, Lisa J. All right. Larry, good morning. Good morning, Anita. <laughs> good morning. <laughs> um, you know, the, um, this, what we read this morning, you know, I'm, I'm hearing this notion of acceptance. And, you know, what the research shows, and, and most of our experiences really validate, is that at least my experiences validate this, is that my willingness to accept the unchangeable is going to have a, a lot to do with my emotional and psychological well-being. I had to accept that what these steps have done for me is they've placed me in a position, they brought me into alignment, greater alignment with my higher power so that I'm better able to practice the serenity prayer. I can see that there's a big, huge bucket, if you will, of things that are just 
outside of my control. And my family, I wanted my sister and my mother and my brother and the guy that cut me off in traffic and this one and that one. I wanted them to have a spiritual awakening when I had a spiritual awakening. I wanted them to become awakened. Of course, I would dictate how they would become awakened. And, you know, that's, that's in the, the bucket, the big bucket there of things that are outside my control. I have to accept there's, the dust is going to get kicked up sometimes. It does for me. You know, um, I made amends to my sister years ago, and she accepted them. It was lovely. And then a few years went by, and, um, you know, she started to think about this, that, or the other. She's having some rough times, and, you know, and then, you know, there's new things that crop up, new remembrances of things past. I think that was the title of a book, right? And, um, you know, for me, my well-being is tied to my acceptance. The greater my acceptance, the greater my well-being. The less I accept in my life, my well-being, my psychological health goes down. These steps keep me aligned and keep me um, from keep me uh, embedded and tethered to acceptance of all things that are outside of my control, which is pretty much everything. With that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you very much, Larry Kay. And Kelly S., and then it will be Carmela G. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning, Anita. Thanks for your service. This is Kelly S. Recovered, um, compulsive eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So, um, of course, the problem with waiting to share later is everybody's already said all the good stuff I wanted to say, but I'll say it anyway. So, um, you know, I when I started listening to Vision probably six years ago, and I would hear you guys sharing about how this stuff was coming true for you and your family, and you were changed people, and your family were making comments. I'm like, Oh my God, I can't even imagine that, right? Because, you know, I'm the drama queen. I've just, my kids, my family have been on this roller coaster my whole life, and I just can't even imagine. So when I came in this program and I, I started working it, it took me a couple of years of listening to you guys, so I started working it. But, however, so now I have three and a half years of recovered abstinence. Oh my gosh, family, can you, can you guys not see how recovered I am? Can you not see how great I am? What I was really looking for was, you know, I was the one wanting to get rather than just be this spiritual example of recovery. You know, I wanted these accolades. And what I had to realize is it was going to take time, you know. And I'm not doing this just so my family can say, wow, look at mom, look at her, isn't she great? Finally, she's getting some sanity, which, by the way, is nice. But, um, you know, it's going to take time to clear away this wreckage. And it is what other people share. It's my ego. I have to remember this. So I'm almost 56 years old and three and a half years. And it's quite an ego to think that in three and a half years I should be all fixed. I mean, granted, I'd like to be. I used to pray to be thin now. Now I want to be recovered now and able to deal all with this. And, you know, the truth is, guys, the reason I have to have you guys, I have to be reminded constantly that it says in the 10th step in the big book when these things crop up. Because I'm not quite well enough there yet to, you know, the minute I get back into this, I'm like, what's wrong with me? I thought I was recovered. Oh, my God. And they're like, when, not if. And I keep doing the work, right? And new structures will take years to complete. 
it's taken me years to tear this crap down. It's going to take me years to build it. And it is persistence. But you know what? Someone else shared. We do this over and over and over. But I did my disease over and over and over. And I caused so much wreckage. And it's going to take a while to build this up. And guess what, guys? My family is now saying things. And it is wonderful. But today I'm trying to be, and I am being, a spiritual example of recovery, a spiritual, you know, uh, picking up these t- toolkits, being a service, showing people, not trying to just get accolades and look at how great I am. You know, I want to be this recovered person and, ta- and, and, I, and I have to work with you guys and walk with you guys and be reminded it's going to take a while because I'm just not that well yet. And I know it's going to be a process. And this, guess what? The destination is here. It's the journey. And I'm so glad to be walking it with you guys. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Anita. Thanks, Kelly. Uh, Carmela G., you are now up. Thank you. Um, I just, uh, I I had to share this morning because it hit me after listening to everyone that um, a house, I, I built a house. I was born as an infant, beautiful, everything, and I through all my defects and and life experiences, I built this house that was very ugly, very ugly. It had a lot of weight on top of it and a lot of defects and all. And I expected to everyone to say, this was a magnificent house you built, Carmela. You're wonderful. And I wanted it from everyone and everybody, and I wanted it the way I wanted it, and I wanted their houses to be built my way as well. And today, after working in the program, and it took a while because it didn't happen right away, I realized I have to just breathe and take my time. I can't want, 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 and expect to get, 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 and control everything. So my house had to be knocked down. And every day, I have to put a new brick in there and a reinforced brick that I am doing what God wants me to do, not what Carmela wants, not this very moment I have to have it in God's time and what he wants. And if I keep that as a focus, then I can put one foot in front of the other and be more loving and kind to all the others that are around me, my family as well as my friends. Thanks for allowing me to share that. Thanks, Carmela. Uh, Ramona, you are now up. Hi, this is Ramona A. in Vermont, um, Recovered Compulsive Eater. Are you hearing me okay? Yes, yes. Okay, thanks. Well, I have heard so much that is good. Thank you, everyone, for your shares. I'm not quite sure, but uh, felt I wanted to share this morning. When I came into program... My husband and I have were both addicts. We are both addicts, and came into recovery at the same time. And all the time before that, he was the problem. You know, I didn't realize that I had any problem. You know, it it wasn't. You know, I was uh, crazy. I was crazy. Everything was difficult, but it was all his problem. So it was something for me to come into program and say, oh, I've been so angry. I didn't know I could be that angry. And I've 
really, really done damage. And that needs to be fixed. It needs to be repaired. But it, you know, we started program a long time ago, but it's taken a long time to for that recovery to build. You know, we up and down and in and out and whatever. And coming to know the steps more and more deeply, the house is being rebuilt slowly but surely. You know, I say now after 44 years of marriage, we have a better marriage than we've ever had, you know, and it's the promise of what we saw, you know, when we got married is coming true. Um, so, you know, for people to have hope and to and to keep working this day after day and when we talk about acceptance, yes, acceptance of my part and but for me too the acceptance that it doesn't happen overnight and that I'm not going to be perfect overnight. Probably never, you know, but um I just am not. I find that um my character defect of wanting to control situations around me and being so task-oriented, you know, and the the analyst side of of my brain, that um, that still comes out when things get difficult. And I find the last month has been like that. And and I'm just waking up to the reality. I haven't been trusting God to take care of all things, and that if I didn't get something done, if, you know, if I say I had an intuition, do this today and don't do that, that uh, that probably wasn't as important as I thought it was, and I needed to let it go. So um, it's still a growing thing, and um, but it's getting better, and that's what people have to know. It gets better because of this program. Time. So thank you, and I pass. Thank you very much. Um, I have time for Leslie W. I'm sorry, Lisa J. And I've got two minutes for you, Leslie. Two minutes. I will take it, Anita. <laughs> I'm going to take it. This is Leslie W. from Tennessee. I'm a recovered, thank you, God, a recovered compulsive overeater. I will say this. Um, three years ago, before I started listening to Vision, um, the night that I had last night would have looked very different for me. Um, you know, um, I kind of unraveled when my husband walked through the door last night and I just kind of collapsed in his arms and started to cry and like, these kids are never going to get well. I'm just, you know, snotty noses and goopy eyes and it's just never going to end. And he was like, honey, you're just tired. You're just tired and you're weary. It'll get better. I love you. It's going to be okay. I'm here for you. Three years ago, that would have not happened because I wore that man out. And I told myself it was because he was a selfish guy, a bad guy, but that's not the case. That was an act that I put on every single day. And now, thank you, God, it doesn't happen so often. He would have said to me three years ago, so what? Deal with it, you know? But today, that man showed, last night, that man showed me compassion and love 
and our marriage is so much better than it used to be. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for vision. Thank you for vision. Thank you for the big book. Thank you for recovery. Just thank you. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Perfect ending. Perfect share. Um, So thank you to everyone who shared. And the share ID for today, uh, the 7 a.m. Tuesday, September 25 meeting, is 11954. 11,954. And now we will close with the reading from the big book, which is found on page 164. And Debbie M., would you please read that for us? Hi, this is Debbie M., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Indiana. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do for do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.